Hey guys, welcome back. This is Pure Lunacy. Thank you for joining me. And today I have a special guest, uh, one of my good friends that I have known for a very long time. I think it's been over a decade now, uh, Colby Smith. Colby is an amazing mind, another one of those amazing minds that I get to have the privilege of knowing. He's a political consultant, um, works in Texas politics, national politics, local politics, um, has a bachelor's in political science from UTA, and he's also a veteran. Uh, had a tour in Iraq back in 2005. So everybody, give a round of applause for Colby. Colby, say hello. Hello, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> hello, pure, the pure crowd. The pure crowd. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. I've been working, been working from home. Uh, got cabin fever. I'm ready to get out, uh, but I'm good. It's been wild. It's been a wild ride. It has. Um, I know as a political consultant, you know, one of, we were, we actually discussed on this right right before we get started, uh, or got started, you know, human contact is such a big deal of politics, or such a big part, a foundation of politics. Um, and I just, you know, mentioned that it's going to be a generational divide. Uh, the younger crowd, us younger folks, we're, we're used to, you know, connecting digitally and the older generations uh, don't necessarily have that uh, pliability. How do you view all of this going on? Well, it's been a quick switch uh, party-wide as the Republican Party has switched. And and it's been somewhat seamless Mm -hmm. uh, in the switch to digital. But the hard part is growing the party, I think, is really where it's at. Because that first trust, that first... I'll listen to you really comes from having a face-to-face conversation, figuring out that I, for example, am not insane and yeah. that you can trust that person. And that's still humans. They desire social contact and we, we need that social atmosphere. And, you know, I see your face and I know we're talking, but yeah. still you're on my screen. Right. And so <laughs> and it's, you know, we saw each other right before the, um, right before the uh, quarantine started and obviously those these two uh interactions are just polarizingly different Um, and so and i think that politics is uh really a personification of uh social structure and the ability to uh humans to interact and i've kind of always laughed when sociologists will like go just study people i'm like just go study people in politics that's (laughs) that's the heightened place because it's it's you you have to interact and talk about things that are very meta or very philosophical and then you have to bring it down into a very concrete thing and so and all of that is something that's done in person so you can watch facial expressions and and if someone leans back or if they lean forward and and you can kind of feel out uh marketing you know and and am i getting my point across and that can't really happen over even a Zoom meeting or uh, a phone. And so people who are just getting into politics, I feel very sorry for our college graduates right now. I feel very sorry for people. Who, yeah, they're, they're trying to figure out who they can trust and who they can get involved with. And all of us are sitting in our living rooms. And so it's very hard <laughs> to get that started. And so, yeah, I've gotten some people volunteering and helping, but growing that base is where the big conundrum is 
And one of the things that I, I'm starting to see also with, uh, you know, staying at home and how politics is shifting, the ideologies are shifting in terms of what it take, what takes precedence with being considered liberal or being considered conservative and our rhetoric in, in the two different realms of liberal and conservative, it's completely changing. It's shifting. And I would, I would beg to say that we're, we're starting to see almost a, I I would say that we're almost seeing a a challenge between capitalism and socialism in terms of how to combat coronavirus and how it's affecting our society. What's your take on all of this? Yeah, if you if you go before uh, coronavirus, we'll yeah. we'll call it BC. Uh, <laughs> if you go to BC, um, there was some arguments e- economically about the future, yeah. uh, but but most of it actually still mostly delved around uh, capitalism. I remember yeah. when Trump put the uh, 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 tariffs that there was a lot of fighting over whether those tariffs were good for a capitalistic approach and who was being taxed based on the tariffs but the arguments were under the umbrella of capitalism yeah i do think that uh but that argument was a smaller segment of the political debate the the main debates were over foreign policy and how we should deal with isis or how we should deal with foreign leaders and our discussions with them, oh, a million different things, healthcare. All of that has been strewn aside, oddly, healthcare included, has been strewn aside for this political economic debate of should the government pay for everything yeah. or should should we go back to work? And and the the issue in lies is is much deeper than just economics. It's not just capitalism versus socialism. It's exactly. it's truly freedom versus not being free. And and I've I've always kind of had to debate people on this premise that in a free society there's risk. Period. And 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 in human interaction there's risk in life. And right. sometimes economically we're talking about dollars, but in a million ways there's risk. And mm-hmm. and so we as a people have to somewhat trust each other in a free society. There, there has to be a level of trust. But more than that, we have to be able to take those risks based on how we feel. It's a personal decision. Right. Um, but every time you get behind the, the wheel in a car on a highway, you're, you're taking a risk. And you do that to make more money for your family or to – Whatever reason, that's the whole beauty of being in a free society is you choose yeah. why you're taking that risk. What's been fascinating to see on the governor level, it's been state level yeah. uh, or lower, that the government has suddenly said you don't get to choose how much risk you take. And that's a fascinating new political theory. And and, and it's strewn across the Constitution like insanely. Like y- y'all can't – you don't have a freedom to assemble. You don't have a freedom – to, to go to church and um, and because there's too much risk. And so therefore the government says that that kind of risk we're not willing for you to take. So it, and it, I think that, that's, that's crucial that you say that. that philosophy is fascinating. It, exactly. I think we're seeing a paradigm shift of what truly is considered freedom and what is considered a right or a privilege. Right. And I think that 
when people hear these things on either side, um, you know, uh, one side will say, you know what, this is about our health and our lives, shut it all down. Mm-hmm. Not this isn't taking away your freedom. This is, you know, protecting your life. But on mm-hmm. another side, there is the concept that, you know, you have these rights and they're inalienable rights. And mm-hmm. whether your health is involved or not, you're you're infringing on it. How right. dare you? Right. <laughs> and, and the question is, where do you draw the line and where where is it measured to where, yes, we do ensure self, health health and safety, but we also ensure freedom and rights are protected. And that's what's made socialism versus capitalism kind of take the forefront of that. Because I think I think a true constitutionalist and federalist, someone who believed in the Federalist Papers, would state that the government doesn't have the power, nor do you have the right to live healthily, uh, that that's not a right of yours. Um, and, and the reason we can say that is the average... Uh, life expectancy when the constitution was written was like 39. So like, no, it's not the government's job to keep you healthy. Um, now they do have to provide security. And I think that's where some people have, um, have differentiated between what that is. And I would say that that's a, obviously a strong national defense and mm-hmm. an ability for you to live safely without uh, uh, direct harm. But as to a virus or to, uh, you know, uh, elective surgeries, I I don't know that that falls under security. And so it's a hard line to draw. But I will state that um, the the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, even more so, but life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness, I believe, are are such direct rights that we've said they're given to us by God. And so therefore, there's, there's no other reason to take those out, whether it's security or not. There, you know, we do believe that the government has the obligation to keep us secure. But more yeah. than that, that it can't override those rights because that does not come from the government. So, right. the, you, know, I, you that's, know, that's the debate. And, and as a Christian, you know, I, I am a Christian. I do agree that these are inalienable rights. Um, you and know, God can be us, your creator. Keep, yeah, given to us by God. But, but what do we do? What do you do when? And th- this is just me being a theorist now. This is just right. me thinking the, out loud. Yeah, but yeah. what do you do when you have a society that shifts, that no longer has? Sorry about that. Give me one second. What do you do when you have a society that no longer has that faith in God, no longer has that foundation in? what we considered to be the framework that developed our constitution and how does that paradigm shift affect the foundation and the validity of what was once considered to be of veracity right. and the, the the leading factor how do we how do we you know placate all the sides and and how do we move forward how how this is a new so, america clearly right and how do we prevent another civil war in turn, you know? Not, right. Uh, with the downfall but, you know? of the foundation. Well, you're, you're right. So every any law, whether it's constitutional or statutory or whatever it is, any law is only as enforceable as it is followed. So, right. um, you know, if we all decided right now that we're all going to go outside and light a joint and sit on our porch, pot is now legal. 
it's legal because if everyone does it, there's no there's no way to enforce it. So mm-hmm. so no law is, a, is as powerful as it is enforceable. So the Constitution taking God or any philosophy out of it is a piece of paper. That's it. Yeah, absolutely. So it has no actual power. But the idea that there uh, that humans have rights, we will say from God, but it's actually from your creator. Even in saying there is no God, um, we still have a creator. And, and mm-hmm. whether it's evolution, physics, whatever you want to say, yeah. there is something that made us be here. And there's no way you can say that's not true unless you believe in like the matrix theory that, <laughs> you know, we're all in a simulation. Yeah. So if we're all in a grand simulation, then maybe yeah. not. But, but if we, if we can all agree that we're in a reality, then something put us here. And so, I, I still think that argument still bears fruit, whether it's you know a Christian God or even an atheist uh, by chance. We're here as as humans, as high highly functioning sentient beings, we have those rights, and that's that's what you want to state. And so, and 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 I think that argument, that counter argument to that is it it will fall on its face every time. Um, I, I I do think a lot of those philosophies are based on God, and I agree. But 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 that doesn't dissuade the fact that they were millennia of philosophy and political history that went into, say, John Locke or Calvin Hobbes or yeah. uh, Machiavelli or and all of those different philosophers who George Washington and Thomas Jefferson and James Madison and Alexander Hamilton all sat down and really worked through. Um, you know I. I always tell people uh, why I love George Washington is he was fascinated with Cincinnati, the Roman general who became dictator. Uh, he was a farmer. He became dictator. He won the war, and then he went right back to farming. And they, that the fact that George Washington even knew who Cincinnati was just shows how well read and how well studied these men were. Um, like Cincinnati now. Uh, people can know people who are watching will probably Google him on Wikipedia, but George Washington didn't have that ability. So, you know, this man went, yeah, yeah, he he went and sought out a leather bound book and read it. And, and, and so that's my point is this constitution and the federalist papers and the anti-federalist papers are, are brilliant writings of great philosophy and great study. And, uh, we, we, we become dismissive of that as, as we I watch. I think that's the key. I think yeah. you, you hit the nail on the head. We've forgotten where we've come from. We've forgotten the framework and the foundation of what made our country what it is. And mm-hmm. that's why it's so easy to just move on to the next fad and mm-hmm. just say, yeah, socialism, sure. Yeah. We've forgotten yeah. why America is the power that it is. And it's exactly. not because of these new ideas that aren't really new. They've been tried in other countries and they failed. <laughs> right, right. All of it had been tried. And by the way, Marx wasn't the first socialist. There, there were. He was the first to really, um, and a Marxist theory put it out. But, yeah. but, but there had been different monarchies who had practiced uh, communal living. There had been different societies. Uh, the Jewish culture was very communal. There had been a lot of things that had been tried. None of this is new. Uh, Democracy is not new. Republicanism is not new. Um, you know, what makes us 
uh, exceptional. When people say uh, the exceptional American uh, uh, experiment is not that our, our form of government, having two houses or all of that's been done. it's really the idea that we bring a ton of different cultures and a ton of different religions and a ton of different things. And we state that we have one central premise of American exceptionalism and that we don't need a king and we don't need some brilliant person running this. Instead, we're going to rely on documents alone. And, 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 And that's never succeeded. It's succeeded for short stints. But never truly. And and we have to thank British law and British history for that. I mean, you had the Barons' War, right. the Magna Carta. That's right. The, the Barons' War, which led to the Magna Carta, which led to all of this. And so we, we believe in the supremacy of law. But still, we, we – a lot of the British offshoots still don't go as far as we do with the supremacy of law. And the idea uh, – we just had an impeachment a few months ago – uh, just the idea that n- everyone is held accountable, and um, and so that's a beautiful. You stand, even yes, if you're the beautiful thing. The most yeah. powerful country in the world, they will take right. you to task. Right, and it's a beautiful thing, and it's uh, we have a peaceful revolution every four years, and it's it's <laughs> awesome. You know, it's awesome. We overthrow our government every two years, really, and uh, I think that's pretty awesome. But uh, but. All of that being said, the reason we can overthrow our government is what's important, not the fact that the government is there. I mean, the, the thing you got to remember is the evolution of government. It can only evolve if it's changing. And the only way it changes is if we can overthrow it and we can do it peacefully. OK, and that's the part. That's right. And so, <laughs> yeah, go vote. And so that's the thing. When you realize how important it is that you can peacefully overthrow your government, um, that's what's that's what matters. And so that's why I lean libertarian. That's why I'm scared of government and giving government that kind of power, because I can peacefully kick them out right now. Uh, and, and, and things like socialism and things where. Uh, they can back up things where, you know, there's two women in Laredo who uh, uh, oh, were cutting hair and they both went to jail because they were cutting hair in Laredo, Texas. Um, you know, we had the and salon. They, let's be honest, Dallas. They, the media kind of ignored them until, they did. until they did. our Dallas so, salon, the, the owner, salon decided owner decided to rip up hers and they... And people started calling them out on social media saying, yeah. why are you giving her credit when we've had two women in Laredo exactly. who were sitting who, in jail this whole time? Yeah, for weeks. And it's absurd. It's absurd. Yeah. The yeah. government can take away your freedom, your life. You know, those, and that's why I'm anti-death penalty. The government can take away your life. I'm not anti-death penalty. And, I, don't think I know. That. <laughs> I, go to, I go toe-to-toe with a lot of my conservative yeah. friends on this. But yeah, I just don't believe the state that especially if we're going to give them socialism, if we're going to do that too, um, you really got to think about the power, other powers you've already given them, and and how much you want to rely on that. And and I will I will I will always concede if if we lived in a utopia where things were perfect and human beings were perfect, socialism would be great. It'd be well, awesome no if everybody if everybody had everything <laughs> yeah. and everything was shared equally. Right. And we all took care of each other. It'd be called a utopia. Yeah. But and the you reality can, you, is it but you wouldn't need a government. 
exactly. you wouldn't need the government if that were the case. That's the. <laughs> It'd be a perfect world. It's called right. uh, what is it? The Garden of Eden <laughs> before yeah, Adam and Eve. Yeah. They yeah. ruined and everybody. I mean, <laughs> right. And it's worked a little bit, but I, I always, you know, I always in this debate of Sweden or they'll bring up Denmark, their liberty scale on their economy is much higher than the United States. They're but more deregulated. They're, they're more also capitalist. They're a very hom- homogeneous population. Yes. Small it's population. Not a popula- it's small population. They don't have a lot of variety. Everybody's right. basically the same. They've all lived there. They've been there forever. That's it. And I will say this. I, we're starting to see a challenge to those concepts in Denmark and Sweden mm-hmm. because of the refugees who have come from Syria, mm-hmm. from the Middle East, from war, war-torn countries. And they're mm-hmm. starting to see a challenge to the way of life yeah. because Different you have cultures. these new immigrants, these new cultures. And right. it's like, oh, crap, maybe our perfect utopia isn't perfect after all right. when you start including all these factors. And that's the big thing that makes America so amazing is that right. we're a melting pot. We're a melting right. pot. Where people can come in, who you are, however you are, just everybody live in peace. Don't kill me, I won't kill you, and we'll live in peace. Right. Even if there are people still killing each other, they should stop doing that. Especially they should stop. We should all agree to stop doing that. I, I agree with that. But no, I, I, yeah, when you look up the Economic Freedom Index, it's, it's, it's breathtaking how Sweden has less regulation than the United States. Denmark has less regulation than the United States. And so when you sit here and say that these guys are just these huge communist manifestos and or socialist manifestos. And, and oranges. Yeah, these it's guys aren't terrible. socialists. They're not socialists. And if you go sit down with the, uh, you know, the prime minister or, 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 um, uh, pr- um, president of Denmark and say, hey, how, how do y'all like being pr- uh, socialists? They're going to laugh you out of the room. They're not socialists. And Bernie Sanders is lying. He's lying when he says that we're going to be gonna like that. Bernie Sanders people angry now. I'm sorry, but he's <laughs> lying. He, that's not what that's not what we're looking to do. And that's not what he's claiming he wants. And so you just have to be honest about what socialism is, what its outcomes are. And and what we're looking for, and so that when those are failure. Yes, because social pure socialism is Venezuela, pure yes. socialism is, is is Cuba. We have those examples right now, and they failed, and, and they yes. failed in the new world. And they always have in the they West. Yes, they they they'll fail everywhere, but you know, and and then and then you say, well, it's democratic socialism, uh, which to me. Thing. Yeah, which is this? Well, it's this newfound socialist light uh, thing, and 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 it's the idea that we'll be more like Denmark, but but it doesn't work. It no. doesn't work not with our population, and 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 you can see that in in the fact that uh, Greece would be a prime example, uh, Portugal, Italy. You can study these economies with big welfare states, and they collapsed because they had too large a population. So if you're going to sit there and say things like that, you need to study the, the truth behind it. And I know it sounds easy, but um, nothing is easy. I mean, not- it's fairly easy trying to figure out what you're going to eat for lunch and you want to no. solve the problems of the world. Yeah. <laughs> this socialist experiment, which the, the coronavirus lockdown is the closest we've come to it. Our unemployment yes. rate is above 14 percent. We, we we have the highest unemployment rate since the Great Depression. Uh, suicides, domestic violence, child abuse, everything has skyrocketed through the roof. This co- this country is in a lot of pain from this lockdown. And the truth is, is that there's a lot of metrics we're not looking at. 
We're looking at who's getting sick, who's dying, but there's a lot of side effects of this collapsed economy that we are not talking about, we are not looking at, and they are despicable, they are disturbing, and, and they're things we need to talk about that humans need, especially Americans in our culture, we need to be productive. We need to be working. We need and to be doing something. And I've said this before, it's because our framework, our foundation is not based on socialist measures. They are based on capitalist measures. And in order for our society and our economy and our, our government to function successfully, that foundation of capitalism and interaction must function. And yes. The second it doesn't, we collapse. Yeah. And I, I've heard, you know, people like, uh, who is it, Bill Gates or, you know, celebrities, people, you know, who yeah. are living a good life. Yeah. Say, oh, well, just shut it down for a month, a month or yeah. two months. Just shut it's everything fine. down. It's fine. And my, my first thought is how? Yeah. How? Yeah. And, and the ramifications yeah. of it. The food banks are full of people looking for food. People are starving. There is real things going on here. And, you know, we'll sit around and say, well, you know, my iPhone's fine. I, I'm fine. And I am fine. But you know what? I can work from home. I've been blessed with what about that. about people who can't? There's a lot. 14% of the country can't. And when you're sitting here talking about 14 to 20% of the country, you're talking about a lot of people, millions and millions of people who now, are going hungry. I will admit. I do believe that it was necessary to flatten at least the curve yes, and have absolutely. measures to stay at home. So this absolutely. is no way to negate the importance yes. of social distancing, the importance of staying at home. You should. But I do yes. believe that there is a necessity to slowly phase in the folks and the population who can interact, who can yes. partake in, in our framework of capitalism. Right that we don't collapse as a country. Exactly. Let's be honest and let's be clear. China and Russia are watching and they're very happy with the results of, yeah. of our collapsing economy. The, they're fine. There's they're happy always, yes, there's always foreign policy. No matter what's happening, there's foreign policy. But yeah, you're right. So we have, we have our medical resources. And if you didn't do the lockdown, we would have surpassed it. And it would have been like Italy, right? Where they had two people sharing a ventilator. It would have been terrible. But we, we flattened that curve, and so and now it's starting to decline. So now we're going to let people out, and the cases are going to go up. And anyone who tells you otherwise is lying. That's not the goal. The goal is not to defeat the virus without a vaccine and without herd immunity. That's literally impossible. And so the fact is, is that we have to get the disease. It's a sad truth. We have to, unless a vaccine comes out, which I'm telling you, there. It's not a hundred percent chance that we're going to create one that works. The flu vaccine It'll barely take at works. Least a year to two years before and a even flu if, vaccine can come out. And even if we did, let's say the success rate of it was eighty percent, like the flu. I mean, it's not. It's these vaccines are not a hundred percent. None of them are. Yeah. So you're not going to know whether you're truly vaccinated or not. So in the end, you those who have very low death rates, like those below 60, those who are healthy, who don't are, are not have any uh, immunodeficiencies, things like that, get them back out there, get them working, let them earn a living for their families and for their for their homes and and take uh, the steps necessary. To just yes, stay six feet Social apart, wear a mask. Yes, don't do crowd people the right into thing. you know. Uh, like their cattle and, yes. you know, yes, take the precautions, yeah. but there is a need 
for some kind of phasing into the communities, some kind of phasing. And the people who are most affected in our communities are always the bottom tier. They're always bottom tier. So I I really- Their last leg already. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then you yeah. yank it out of under. But yeah, that that's the that's the another thing that we were kind of saying before. When you live in a free society, you have to trust your fellow man. And by us saying you have to stay in your home is us saying I don't trust you to stay six feet away from me. What yeah. kind of society is that where you can't say that? Now, are there going to be a few turds? Yes, there's always a few turds. All right, if you get <laughs> on the road, there's some guy who drank and got behind the wheel. There's some guy who did things that were stupid and that's true, but America is known as the land of the free because we trust each other. If we needed the government to enforce everything, then it's not a free country. And and so you're really, like I said, when you're debating this thing in your head, this capitalism, socialism, this should we leave, should we not, you're truly debating huge philosophical things yes. that have been debated from de- before. The Spanish flu, smallpox. This country has dealt with these things before. Yeah. And and, and which agreed. I mean, British government truly influenced us. So even, yes, the plague. And and, and so let's not act like this is new. Let's not. Now, is it new in our lifetime that we have a disease that we know nothing about? Absolutely true. Uh, A disease like this that spreads like it does, this is a new phenomenon and we know nothing about it. We're learning. It has a ridiculous incubation period. There's a lot of things we're trying to figure out. Asymptomatic and infect everybody like your typhoid marriage. Exactly. It's crazy. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But just to throw out government philosophy and the belief in a free society is an insane reaction. And like I said, it's such an overstated uh, quote. Um, I believe it's Benjamin Franklin, but he who will give up an ounce of freedom for security will gain neither and deserves none. And it's overused by very stupid people. But now I'm seeing a a reason it should be used. Um, We we believe that we need to always be safe and we're willing to give up our own freedoms for that. Like, no, you know, I'm a veteran. I've obviously proven I will absolutely uh, put my life on the line in order to be free. And uh, the, the idea of the American people should be the same of you're not going to threaten me. You're not going to hold me back and uh, don't do it needlessly. Like, let's not all go jump off a cliff because right. we're free. But 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 also don't let yourself be buried in your house. Uh, and so I, I'm glad a lot of these governors are lifting the restrictions. And I'm and, and I think in we're fact. yes. In yes, I think it's smartly, in intelligently, intelligently. Not yeah, just everybody go out. Yeah, we don't want to be stupid, and and I, I think there's a medium ground here. We don't have to let everyone out like crazy, and we also don't have to lock everyone up forever. There's there's an intelligent middle ground where we can start to phase things in, and we can watch the healthcare system handle it. Because again, it's that curve that all we're worried about. Keep them below the resources. Let us get out there. There's going to be a spike in cases. There's going to be more hospitalizations. There's going to be more deaths. It's just going to happen. But, but one thing and, that I do think is important as we, you know, address this, as we talk about, you know, our health system, as we talk about um, <clears throat> how how we move forward. One of the things that is being brought to light that we as a society and a free society do need to address is the reality, the harsh reality of our our health industry 
and our poverty in our country and the the inequities within our different communities and it's not just a solution of well just pull yourself up by the bootstraps there are people who don't even have boots to pull themselves up by the bootstraps so i think that uh, as as we move forward as we do slowly phase in i think that we're going to have to come to terms that there is a lot that isn't perfect in our american society True. and in how do we move forward in addressing that that poverty inequity how do we move forward in addressing that health inequity because clearly you know if we start looking at the numbers uh, the the percentage of folks who are at the bottom tier of our economic society are going to be the most heavily impacted while the the bill gates and the warren buffets and and the upper echelon are you know chilling on their cruises and sure. yachts well <laughs> You're talking about two different things. So uh-huh. I, I'll agree. I agree. There's poverty. No one can deny that. And uh, no one can deny that, 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 that they are the hardest hit. I don't know that I would compare them to like the three richest men in the world. I, I don't think that's a fair comparison. But <laughs> that being said, since since Trump became president, six million people are. Yeah, six million people were lifted out of poverty. Yes. Um, and, and, and so the real question is, is there poverty or is there not poverty, which sometimes I've seen that debated. The real question is, is how do you fix poverty? Exactly. And, and I think that's the issue that um, especially when dealing with Republicans, we will be accused of pretending there's not poverty. And I don't believe that anyone dealing with policy believes that, nope, they're just poor, but they don't exist that's yeah. not the stance. Instead, you want to see what works. In, in a growing, thriving economy, like I said, six million people were lifted out of poverty. African-American poverty was at the lowest in history. The unemployment rate among minorities, lowest in history. Mm-hmm. But by the way, there's two stats there. It wasn't just the unemployment rate. The employment rate, the percentage of them who were working was at the highest in history. Mm-hmm. And so when you kind of look at that and you see this movement of, you know, uh, food stamps dropping off and, yeah. and and the welfare state not having to hold up people, and that's a good thing, mm-hmm. um, you can kind of see a system that was working in the right direction. Now, coronavirus shut that down. Yeah. So, But when when you say conservative ideals, capitalism works, that's what we're talking about. Those numbers are real. All right. We had the lowest food stamp usage. We had the lowest unemployment uh, among minorities. And, and the reason I keep saying among minorities is they minorities were the largest portion of the welfare state users. And so we were not only just getting them employment, but we were lifting them out of poverty and they were doing it themselves. It wasn't anyone else but them, but they were able to work. They were able to gainfully employ themselves and their culture was shifting because of it as well. And so it that it's the long term fix is a functioning society with a lower middle upper class, a larger middle class than anywhere else in the world. And that's what America is. We still are. By the way, we love to concentrate on the Jeff Bezos of the world and we love to concentrate on the poorest among us. But we forget that we still have the largest middle class and that there are people who are living very nice. Squeezed slowly. Yeah, it is. It is. Well, it was. 
I mean, those numbers are shifting uh, before coronavirus. Yeah, there's been a there's been an look, there's been a big economic problem over the last few months. And so it's very hard. We still don't know what the impact is of coronavirus. It's been atrocious across the it's world. It's going to be an impact for the next decade. Yeah. Yeah. If we're going to be sincere and honest, econ- economic. It's across the world. Yeah. I mean, China is collapsing. Uh, there, there's there's an economic impact across the, the globe. It's not just America that's exactly. that's dealing this. But. The middle class was growing. Uh, everything was doing well. Now the upper class was growing too. Jeff Bezos was getting richer, but you yeah. got to remember that when you when you discuss capitalism, we're talking about wealth creation. Right. There's not this closed off piece of the pie, and if Jeff Bezos gets a piece, none of us get any. That's right. not what's happening here. This is right. this is we're we're creating wealth, and so when we you do, create, my my big thing is this: we want to create wealth. And we want to have the opportunity, the equitable, not the equal, the equitable opportunity for everyone to have an opportunity. Exactly. You got to stop that monopoly if it's happening. I agree with you. Unfortunately, Jeff Bezos is encouraging the monopoly. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Now, I'm not (laughs) just. If we're going to be honest, we need a little bit of trust busting. Yes. Uh, You know, Roosevelt style. Yes, and I am not a huge uh, protector of the big business. I'm not. I believe they should have to compete on an equal field. Uh, uh, so, and that's not happening. And that's that's both parties have caused that. So I'm not going to sit there and say that this is a partisan ideal. This is oh, just yeah. this, this is a capitalist idea. When when you don't have to pay taxes, there, there needs to be some regulations. Yes. some, some when, limitations where sorry, right. buddy, you can't buy everything up. No, but well, not even just that, but you, if you don't have to pay taxes, if you're getting subsidized, that's not capitalism. That's not capitalism. That's not equal competition. So GE has paid zero taxes for something like seven years. I'm sorry, but the upcoming How many loans and forgiveness. Exactly. Have we given them? Right. But it's not capitalism, because if I want to open my factory and I want to compete with him. I have to pay taxes, and the government has set up an uneven competing field. Capitalism is even competition, and uh, there's some antitrust laws, there's some anti-monopoly laws. I think yeah, every, we need to start enforcing. Uh, we have to yes, trust, you know, trust totally. We need to start holding totally. these businesses and these corporations accountable because in the past, I don't know, 10, 20 years, the amount yeah. of monopoly behavior that we've allowed in America. I believe contributes to the inequities that we see socially. And the reason, I think one of the biggest reasons why um, we saw a lot of the communities that you did mention, the minor, especially the minority communities were able to lift themselves up was not a dependence on these big businesses or big corporations. It was because they were small businesses, they were That's entrepreneurs right. and they were intellects who were going That's out right. there creating their own uh, uh, you know, financing, which That's is, right. So frustrating. That's why I find it so frustrating when I find out these multi-million dollar corporations were able to get all the funds from the CARES Act and these small businesses who are truly the reason why our economy was functioning. The reason why our economy was was doing well was because of of the individuals who are contributing to our society by being entrepreneurs and business owners. Uh, they, They didn't get a chance to get help. Right. And I both like I'm I'm like you I'm an equal opportunity offender I blame both sides on this one. Yeah, no, the <laughs> CARES Act the CARES Act I will say um, and the president said it in a press conference the big businesses getting it that was not the intent 
And I know there's going to be some follow-up by the Department of Treasury. They've already said so. But the the, the bigger issue uh, in lies is is whether uh, medium companies should get them and, 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 and what the goal to the CARES Act was. Was it to keep small businesses open or was it to keep people employed? And those are two very different goals. Both. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, in a, in a perfect world. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but so the goal was to keep small businesses employed, I think was the goal. And um, but the issue entailed that a lot of these larger businesses, they don't have the biggest margins in the world either. Uh, we love to believe. But I, I'll give you an example. Um, the EBITDA for Motel 6, I believe, was like 200 million dollars of how much profit they made. But Southwest Airlines or American Airlines, I believe, is in the 70 millions. Mm-hmm. So these two companies, Southwest and American, are much larger companies, have much larger incomes and make tons of more money. But in terms of profit, they made half as much as, say, Motel 6, which didn't make nearly the amount of money, uh, maybe $3 billion a year. Mm-hmm. And so when you're dealing with that, and a lot of these larger companies are making my a ton My first of question money. is always, where did my baggage fees go? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> So, you're charging but, me an arm and a leg, Yeah, how, how are you not making that much profit? But yeah, when you deal with that and you see that the, this, this economic downfall, it, not a ton of them just had this buckets of money laying around where they could keep things going. And so there's layoffs across the board, and we would love to think some one crooked CEO took all the money and ran, but that's just not what happened. It just it went away. And so the real question is, is like I said, are we trying to keep people employed or are we trying to save small businesses? And we had to make that decision as a country, you know, and, and it's not it's easy distributed in a uh, correct manner. Yeah. 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 It's just it's not easy. Uh, you no, know, none of this is easy. And, and, and um, you, you you want a perfect world. Uh, always, but- always. Yeah, but you you do the best you can, and um, uh, so yeah, so the the CARES Act I think is been going to be enforced. Mm-hmm. What I worry is it may be too late. Uh, I, they're they're trying to not uh, make it too late, but this yeah. is hard to do, you know. It's and too- and there's a lot of businesses that have closed, and I don't know that they'll ever be able to come back because this has been such a long lockdown. Uh, you know, these restaurants, these salons, these entertainment avenues, are they going to be able to come back? And and it's a real question. Like like the movie theaters, were they were they already booming before? Let's be honest. Yeah. It was costing like 30 bucks to go to the movies. Right. But it's a lot of small business. A lot of a lot of small businesses are, you know, a lot of families own a movie theater and they own a this and a that. And those are gone. A lot of kids out of high school would hand out tickets at the movie theaters. Those jobs are gone. And so, you know, there's a lot of shifting in this economy that was drastically and violently forced by the coronavirus. And I, and I think it's interesting you bring in, you know, high school kids. I, the, it reminds me, um, this new market that we're going to go into, this new economy that we're going to go into, it reminds me of when uh, we were finishing up undergrad mm-hmm. and we went out into the market and there was nothing. No. Because we graduated, we finished in the middle of the recession. Yes. And it was horrible <laughs> i opened my own business with what little money i had yeah. that was the yeah. only way i could get a job was to create my own job 
And I, so I have, you know, I think that it's going to be a rude awakening to these young kids who are getting out of high school or these kids who are, you know, graduating from college. And they were thinking that they were going to go into this illustrious booming economy. Yes. And then the Rona came and just slapped the recession out of this and said, honey, you don't know what's coming to you. Yeah. And, I think and it's that worse than the recession. I mean, when we, is. when you and I graduated, we had an eight percent unemployment rate. It is in the four, it's in the mid, to mid to high teens by the time yes. that's done, and that's insane. That's double what you and I dealt with, and um, it is a lot of fun to be a kid in a growing economy. It is terrible to be the opposite. And you you it can't so make great. enough money to pay your bills or have a phone or normal things, and that's if you get a job. And it's uh, and the older populations, because of the economic problems, they don't retire. They can't retire. Their kids are living in their because home. Because their they're retirement's having, already yes, gone. Their yes, retirement was spent trying to pay right. for rent or mortgage. In yes. The middle of the or their kids who all now live in their home because they can't make a living for themselves and. You know, um, so now the older people aren't retiring to take care of their kids and the kids can't get a job because the old people won't retire. It's it's they're not getting experience and you need an experience. You need five years experience if you want to get an entry level job. job. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it's 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 a a conundrum. And so the the way it way it corrects itself is 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 that idea of deregulation and economic growth It's the only fix. It's always been the only fix. Well, that's not true. It before, can't be all, all deregulation. We have yeah, to have some antitrust before, regulation, right? Before when we had trouble, we uh-huh. could uh, invade Mexico or uh, just push further west. And then we'd be like, ah, oh, y'all move out there. And, you know, it's free. But, yeah, once James and K. Take Polk, over other people's lands and then yeah, push trail yeah, because, you know. It, it fixed a lot of problems. <laughs> Any type of political problems, you would just take they some more land. They would just take it away from other people. Yeah. That's so horrible. But, but once it, James, it is our it is our history. It's yes, true. it's true. Our and true. but true. since James K. Polk and 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 that you know that time period when we reached the Pacific and there was no further west we could go, um, we've had to kind of just figure this s out and 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 we can't. It's 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 been a fight since then and it's been centuries. We've only had one civil war, thank goodness. But um, you know, yeah, I, I don't. I I will say that's the one thing I'm not worried about. I right. I, I know that's not going to happen. The, the bigger issues I worry about is uh, uh, the ability to reach people uh, who have differing opinions than me. That's that that's my fear. It's it, it's there's a divide in the in media and, and there's such a divide, but there's also such a, there's a lack of patience. There's yeah. impatience when it comes to differing opinions. It's yeah. like if somebody were to stand in front of me and say, the sky is purple. And I would say, no, it's blue. And immediately people just go crazy and say, how dare yeah. you say the You're sky racist. is blue? Yeah. <laughs> oh, the sky is yeah. blue. It's purple. Yeah, so you like, don't understand oh. the difference of cultural, you know, and it's, yeah, it's, there's, I think a lot of that, though, I will say this. The, the few things I haven't heard recently are things like cultural appropriation or things like that have kind of died down. I think we remembered that being American is important. And I will say coronavirus did a lot to get rid of us, the tribalism that was really growing in our universities. Um, so we are still fighting about the economy. We're still fighting about policy. 
but a lot of the tribalism, the the white nationalist and the um, you know the other side, <laughs> a lot of it's left. It's left. We're not talking about it, and it's good. Well, you know, I, we're, we're, we'll I see. Think it, I think I I will say that it has been resurrected with the shooting of Ahmad um, Arbery. Yes. Yes. And, and I. Yeah, and I, I will I'll be very clear in my opinion that I, I don't it was, think it was murder. Yeah, but I don't it I, clear. it's such a ridiculous minority who disagrees with you. It's um uh, you know, both parties agree with you. Politically the, the thing, everyone agrees the with thing you. That I find, you know, it, it kind of gives me goosebumps is that we still have pockets in our society and maybe it's not me being naive but it just always still gives me goosebumps that there are people who are willing to cover up things like this and because the folks who were involved had friends in high places yeah they, they were able to just kind of brush it along yeah and, and it, this is a clear case where this is murder and they should have been arrested immediately yeah. and there were five witnesses there wasn't just one there were apparently there were five witnesses right and they just well, that's the beauty of not giving the government power. Although I always come back to that, right? He's a libertarian, y'all. Look at, look you can't the, blame the man. The problem here was not Republicans or Democrats or conservatives or liberal. The problem here was the government not enforcing the law that was very ridiculously backed because of who they knew in the government. And that that's what happens when the government is charged with doing everything and there is no oversight. There is no popular way for us to peacefully overthrow our government and you know what's going to happen is those people are not going to be in government and that's not a good enough punishment i think i get it but at least we now know who they are the way they operated and it's very public and it's very known and so you know an example to you know to other DAs and other mayors. Injustices and yeah. to misbehavior, it's not something that we'll ever accept. Yes. Um, and, and and to be very clear, this is this is a big topic, not just because it's murder, but because we live in the United States of America, and when it comes to race and relate, race relations, it is a big deal in America because it's not only part of our history, but it's part of our present. And yeah. to see this kind of behavior... Um, like you said, this has become almost a unifying factor, which is horrible. Yes. Took the life of a young man in the middle of yeah. a global pandemic to kind of bring all sides together and say, this is unacceptable. No, we, can't, we can't allow this to continue right. to happen. And, and, and these young men of color to be affected in this negative manner. Uh, even and, if it were reversed, though, even that's the thing. We accept only equal application of the law. And I do believe that it wasn't because of the race. I do. I think it was because of who they knew is the reason it wasn't enforced. So if it, you know, they, if they didn't know, if they didn't know the DA and they didn't know all those other peoples, I, 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 I don't, I, I don't believe it would have been shut or the one. Their behavior would have been different if they had seen a different. Now that I can agree, that I can agree with. I totally agree with that. I, I, I guess I'm, I'm more thinking of the enforcement of it and the fact that they, how that gap of when they were finally uh, charged and all of that. I, I The actual act itself, I do believe, was racially motivated. But the the not charging, the the, the follow-up and the application of the law was to the small not town racial. with buddies yeah. covering up for their buddies. Exactly. And, exactly. and, and that's, like, that's, that's a problem. 
that's a problem because people are disgusting. You know, yeah. affluenza teen, the state yeah. rapist. Like we continuously yeah. see, and we need to. I'll be sincere. I think we need to have, if not federal, at least state level laws that there is harsh punishment anytime you know the buddies let their friends go, even if it's uh, what's his name, uh, the one in Chicago. Oh, uh, ca- um. The, the so, actor. Okay. Oh gosh, my brain just went blank. I don't know. Um, but he, Smollett? he basically got he basically oh. got away on lying, and the district attorney decided I'm not going to press charges, and it just went away. Yeah. We we need. I will say this: we need to have a complete justice reform. Um, it's in hard though. America. It's hard because you've got. I know it's hard, but every anything and you've got to give is the, hard. You got to have, well, I guess I'm saying that the answer is not easy. I say, I'll say it in a different way, which is the opposite. Which, But <laughs> like the, the DA has to have a case in order to press charges. And there's a lot of times the DA presses charges when he in no way has a case. And I don't want that to happen either. I don't want innocent people yeah. going to jail. Uh, and so on the other hand, I don't want... DA's pressing charges because they're afraid that they're going to go to jail because we may think they know someone who knew someone. Yeah, so there, there there's, there's always an imbalance one way or the other, you know. And so, uh, you know, just to, that knee-jerk reaction to yank it the other way, just know that there's going to be uh, very ill effects to that as well. I, I do believe that in this case, there's enough evidence. I, and again, it would have to go to a jury but I think in this case, we should be able to to take something like this to a jury and say, here's your evidence. Is he guilty? And if so, he should go to prison. And I'm glad um, that the state of Georgia took over. That's one yeah. thing I'm very happy that. But we, there's there's prosecutorial immunity that kind of keeps us from being able to do that. And sure. in some ways, I agree with it because I get with the basics of it that a prosecutor should be able to do their job without fear of repercussion. But in some ways, I'm like, nah. if you do something like this, uh, rather than just getting voted out of office and disbarred, I think you, need you to should be go funded. to jail. You need to, yeah, exactly. Go and to so jail. how do we do that? How do we do that? So that, that's something we'd have to talk about. <laughs> yeah. But it, it, like I said, just, it's just like not an saying, justice thing. reform is such a broad, it's such a broad, yeah. you know, um, um, way of trying to address such a convoluted, very detailed and the minute details kind of problem. Um, it, it starts at local level, state, federal, right. and you start going into districts and mm-hmm. all the it's census crazy. tracts and counties right. and boroughs, and it's, right. it's so much more complicated. That's right. Uh, I love oh. <laughs> I do too. I actually have a meeting in six minutes. Yes. I can't believe we had a good long talk. We did have a good long talk. <laughs> yes. So let's close it out on this. Let's see if anyone anything, watches all of it. Any one last thing you want to let the pure lunacy world know? Keep listening. Watch every episode that my most beautiful friend airs. Thank She's you. brilliant. Um, that's all I got. We don't always agree, but what we do agree on is to always be kind and to be wonderful yes. friends and never let always. our passion for politics die. So never. Thank you so much. We'll see you. Yes. Bye.